This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I am Dr. Dan, your host. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a more loving and compassionate world, one parent and one child at a time. How do we do this? Well, we firmly believe the key to raising happy, healthy, engaged, and aware kids is for us adults, us parents, to strive for those same things, for us to strive for happiness, for health, for engagement, and for awareness. And we believe that awareness, awareness is the foundation of creating your vision of successful parenting. And what we need to do most is be the person we want our children to become. Today's show is called It Takes a Village. The Power of Online Parenting Communities. And I am very happy to welcome our guest today, Joel Manzer. Joel is an autism father from Norfolk, Virginia. His son, who he calls Shortstack, whom we're going to be hearing a little bit about today, has autism. Joel serves as the lead editor for Autisable, a blogging community with Zanga.com that was created in May of 2009 and is dedicated to sharing real blogs from real people tackling the puzzle of autism. Joel describes himself as, quote, just one person among the thousands sharing their stories online because he's a really humble guy. And he is a light for his dedication as an autism father and for his vision in leading Autisable today to be a helpful resource on the voices of the diverse autism community. And now Joel owns Autisable and is uh, setting the internet world on fire and connection. And uh, Joel, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Tell us. So what, so what are we? Uh, so what are we? So what are we talking about again? What? Well, we're talking about. <laughs> what? I have no idea. What are we talking about? Um, well, let's just start with your journey. How how did you become? Well, we know how you became a father, but it got a little more complicated. And uh, right. how did you become a father to uh, run your online company? Well, as, essentially, what ended up happening is that the uh, folks at Zanga dot com x a x a n g a dot com they wanted to have some niche blogging sites that they um, that they had. So they had one pertaining to moms. They had another one to for, you know, guys and things like that. And around that same time, um, my son, we had to pull him out of public school and we had to put him into private school, but I was all, always into blogging, always into, into, uh, sharing a thought or an idea. I, I tend to write better than I speak and, um, to, Not possible. to formulate a thought. 
yeah, <laughs> to formulate a thought. <laughs> and um, the guys at Zango, they said, well, you interested in doing this? And I said, sure. And they said, well, list a bunch of topics that you want to talk about, you know, that you're interested in. And I'd list everything from home repairs to a bunch of other guys stuff. And the last on the list or near the bottom was autism. And within like a day or so, the team talked and they gave me a call back and they said, you know, how about autism? You know, you blog about it. We enjoy it. Um, and I've shared a little bit about my son, you know, trying to maintain some level of his privacy, more from autism from my perspective, you know, my experience as a dad, those little struggles that dads go through when, you know, the kids aren't expected to perform, you know, they're not, they're not performing as expected. And, uh, you know, those little challenges that happen. And uh, eventually Autisable was launched. And it's been active since. And a few years ago, uh, Zanga shelved its proprietary platform. And uh, so Autisable was essentially put on the shelf for a couple of years. But the team said, Joel, do you still want it? And I had a lot of parents and, and people who are on the spectrum ask me, are you bringing it back? Mm-hmm. And uh, last year... Last year, I ended up taking over the domain and and uh, worked with the folks at Zanga to obtain, you know, a good chunk of the data, and uh, worked in partnership with them with their blessing. And Tisbles uh, live and 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 well, sharing uh, sharing a lot of other bloggers and a lot of other people's perspectives about autism. And here we are. What today. would you? And here we are today. And and you know, <laughs> this is. Um, these online parenting communities are, I, I, this is going to sound dramatic, but um, I can tell this, say this honestly from the parents that I work with, are lifesavers and life changers in how they connect people and help people who are dealing with challenging circumstances realize, gosh, I, you know, I'm not alone. You know, so, I mean, what are, right. what, are, what are you hearing and what are you finding? Well, the funny thing is that everybody, you know, that I've talked to are rather surprised at how common how, how there's little commonalities, you know, those, those threads of truth through what everybody's discussing within autism, within the autism community. Uh, what you hear in the media a lot used to be in regards to vaccines and things like that. But the reality of it is, is that there's much more to it than that. That's actually a small segment of the autism community. But you also have other people that, you know, who are autistic or prefer to be said that they are autistic rather than they have autism. So there's a whole language and a verbiage within the autism community that hasn't been settled yet because the, the growth of the community itself has been exponential. Right. So you have, so with that, you have a whole language and a dialect and all these different types of thoughts and processes um, related to autism, but nothing's really nailed down uh, publicly except from more of a DSM-5 scenario. Right. And, that, and that can, that, you know, a lot of people don't understand why Asperger's was lumped into autism. They just don't. They don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, even people who, who have Asperger's, they don't get it. Why am I now labeled HFA or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And some people don't like the, the, the label of high-functioning or low-functioning. You know, it gets it gets uh, it gets very understanding. It's a very dynamic uh, disorder. So when when I'm hearing people battling back and forth, it's usually because there's a disconnect in the language. 
and the words being used in regards to how to express what their kid is going through. And of course, parents, we parents are very passionate about our kids. <laughs> yes, our we kids are. are the best <laughs> special needs or not. Our kids are the best. They're the, they're the mm-hmm. awesome ones. And, um, almost to a fault. We, we have to, to balance ourselves and our thought, um, that yeah, they are fantastic, but they also have struggles just like we do, except their struggles are different. So that's a lot of the type of stuff that I hear within the community. There are autism uh, websites that cater to the community, like just for parents. There's some that are really good to cater to um, just the autistic individuals, those who are autistic. Mm -hmm. And that's fantastic. Autismal is more of a, do you like the subject of autism or want to learn more about it? Mm -hmm. Join we're right. not going to, because there's a, there's a truth in what you as a doctor would say. And then there's that translation, how it's practically put into place with family members and with right. individuals. And those who are on the spectrum may react uh, differently to certain treatments or certain verbiage or certain words, as opposed to parents who have their own sens- sensibilities and, and uh, reasonings. So it's a very dynamic discussion. It's it's not something that's going to be solved overnight. <laughs> it's one of those, let's mm-hmm. just keep the discussion going and see what happens. And eventually you'll see the nuggets of truth start popping up. You'll see those those moments where it's like, you know what? That's right. What, what that person over there that I completely and vehemently disagreed with, because I thought they were completely stupid, um, there's some truth to what they're saying from their perspective. And there has to be a level of respect in that. And I think our society in general has lost the, or has misplaced the talent and ability to have discussions, you know, that, yeah, we do, you know, without having that emotion behind it and that anger behind it, it's like, wait a minute, I get what you're saying, but, and then, you know, try to explain yourself in that way. Um, well, and when we think of, when we think of community, I'm sorry to cut you off there. When we think of community, even when we disagree with each other, or a parent thinking like, "No, this is my view," and "No, I don't agree with your view," having a community, even that disagrees, is there there that provides some connection and some place to go when you're passionate mm-hmm. about something and also a little overwhelmed by something. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I think. You know, one of the things I've learned over the years on, on managing uh, autismal and and uh, being a part of the community is is the fact that most of the time I'm wrong. I <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what somebody else is stating. I'm wrong because that is their perspective, and they. You know, even even when I state something, it might sound as fact just because the way that I talk, you know, can convey some level of authority. Um, and I've learned had to learn that the hard way over the years. But mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times I'm just wrong. You know, and and I think we need to understand and, and accept the fact that hey, we might be wrong. And when I talk to a few few folks that help me out on the site and they help me edit some of the content to put on the page and distribute, what ends up happening is is that you know I, I've I tell them, I said, you know, what if we're wrong? We need to ask ourselves that question. Mm-hmm. What if we're wrong? What if, we, you know, and it doesn't matter what science might say. It doesn't matter what, 
you know, what the public says. It doesn't matter what the media says, even if it's outright the truth, just asking that question will keep us in check and say, you know what, they might be right about something in what they're saying. And I think that's, that's, that's a big thing that I've learned. You know, you ask that community. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's really important for a number of levels. I mean, one is, you know, when we think about um, the idea of parent footprint and, you know, how, our, how we are in the world our kids are learning from, regardless of what we're saying. They're watching us. They're taking it in. And um, mm-hmm. one important thing is to realize there are, show our kids there's multiple points of view. There's another one of how do we respectfully have a conversation and even disagree, and how do we admit when we're wrong? I mean, and these are all mm-hmm. just great, great lessons. And you know what you, you triggered for me is when we were putting together our, the Parent Footprint Awareness Training as part of this project and then vetting it out to people to look at videos. So it's a lot of there's some, like, tech people and people looking at the different videos and different professionals. And there's this one part of the training at the end where I give some personal examples of uh, parenting with purpose with uh, Dr. Dan, where I like, I talk about experiences that were tough experiences that I went through with um, one of my kids. And what I said several times in these videos is, I'm not saying this was right. I'm saying this is what I was thinking about. This is what I was focusing on. And this is where I was, the direction that I was intending to go, other people might respond differently. And some of these experts came back and says, oh, you sound wishy-washy. Like, he needs to sound, you need to sound with more authority. And I'm like, what? No. Like, we're not always right. (laughs) Right? We're we're doing the best we can. No, we're not. Yeah. I think, you know, when you watch these things in the news and you get this little five-second blip on social media, you know, mm-hmm. what somebody may have said or done, I, I, you know, people get so adamant, you know, about, oh, my God, I can't believe they said that or mm-hmm. they did that. And I'm like, what is what did they say that it was within the context of what was going on? And, you know, in, in dealing with blogging and dealing with a lot of the stuff that I do with Autisable, one of the things that I have to... I had to remind an editor years ago that was helping me out. I had a reminder that that what they are saying is right within the context, within the framework of of what what their message is. And if you take it at face value, just that one little sentence or two sentences, yeah, that is just crazy. That's nuts. But look at all the surrounding scenario that that where they're coming from and how they reach to that conclusion. It, it makes a, it, you may still not agree with it, but you can actually understand how they got to that point. And when I'm, when I'm uh, trying to address my son and we're going around, I mean, he's 14 now and we're driving around and trying to teach. He's, a, he's pre-verbal still. He's mm-hmm. got limited vocabulary and there's things that it's like he, he thinks I can read his mind, but I can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, no parent can. I mean, what parent in the right mind can read a teenager's mind, let alone their own kids? Um, Absolutely. So right. The, um, so, you know, we're driving around town or whatever, and he'll just, he'll, he'll say something like what direction he wants to go or, you know, that way or left, right, you know, some learning, you know, he knows his left and his rights and he knows his way around town. But it's within the context of what he's trying to say. He's trying to direct me to like, the aquarium because he wants to really go to the aquarium. But I didn't catch that until we're halfway there, 
you know, mm. because in his mind, he's already there, but right. I, he had to bring me to that, to that point, you know, and, and being that this episode is talking about, you know, it takes a village. One of the things when the, the situation of taking my son out of school and getting him into a private school at the time, it was, it was heart wrenching because the teachers and the principals had no clue what he was going through. They actually set him aside because they were fearful of his aggressive behaviors, but his aggressive behaviors was because he was trying to communicate either a, he was in pain or communicate what he wanted, but they didn't see that within the context or within the framework of everything else that was going on. So their actions actually perpetuated that activity. So it was one of those situations. I was like, Oh man, (laughs) so yeah, it it takes a village, but it also takes a village that understands and is aware. So I'm just guessing, I was just thinking as you're talking, gosh, like patience and compassion and, you know, so how has your journey with autism shaped you? I mean, how, what has that brought to your life? Um, you know, a lot of people might think that I'm a very, very patient man. And in many instances, I am. But like any person, like any human, you know, there's days to where, you know, I'm glad I got my friends that I can go out, you know, have lunch with because, you know, getting out of the house would be a great thing. Uh, because, you know, you deal with a massive meltdown where you're getting hit by your own kid uh, because he's hurting. And he wants to tell you he's hurting, but the only way to do that is to hurt you. And his, his meltdowns used to be two, three hours long. And we figured out, we figured out because of the community, because of the autism community getting plugged in both online and and networking, uh, we found out what was the cause. He was physically hurt. He was having massive migraines due to barometric pressure changes. Oh, and wow. we worked with his doctor and all that type of stuff. And now his, if he has a meltdown, it's like 15, 20 minutes. And he self-regulates dramatically. But during those those early times when you're trying to figure out what was going on with him, what what we would end up doing is very simple. We, <laughs> My wife would just try to do her research, you know, on a private level. And I would reach out to the community. I'm like, have you guys experienced this? And, you know, People go, oh, the full moon, the tides, that. And I'm going, no. But then it, then something triggered. Something triggered. There was a, um, there was a, a local Tidewater Autism Society here, here in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Uh, there was a, um, a, a mom, an autism mom, and who, who shared that their kid, uh, when the barometric pressure drops, their kid goes through a massive meltdown. And that kind of triggered. I said, why is that? Well, it was, provide, it was causing migraines. Then I'm also connected to a bunch of people who suffer from chronic migraines and said, oh, yeah, when it's about to rain, I get massive migraines. And I go, wait a minute. There might be a connection here. So, you know, we didn't know if that was the case for our son. But we did notice that about a day or so before a massive rain would come through, our son would have a um, meltdown. And we're like, okay, hmm. now we're starting to get something. And we logged it, we documented, and we go, okay, now we're starting. But it was because of the community and the feedback and the networking that helped us go, now we know what's going on. Now right. we see what's happening. And it's like, aha, you have those aha moments as parents. You're like, okay, great. And then now he's, you know, we go from those, uh, 
every once in a while a massive meltdown. So now it's like, okay, he's going to go swing in a hammock or go to his room and lay down with a bunch of blankets on himself and he's going to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, but it took us really reaching out and networking with the community and networking with people that we know that there it is. And that's, and that's helped us out dramatically. That's, I mean, that's inspirational because I, I feel like a lot of times we're, we're looking at symptoms and what we really need is understanding of a, lar- a larger framework to describe behavior mm-hmm. because behavior with our kids and um, we have lots of listeners with kids with uh, differing special needs and we all know that with special needs what comes out on the other side and what people look at is behavior whether it's avoidance or aggressive or anxious like mm-hmm. it behavior is just behavior and I think yeah. all too often um, people just we, we we focus on the behavior, even as parents, right? As compassionate parents who uh, we want nothing more than to be the best parents for our kids when they're trying to communicate to us. And this, I mean, this is the that story is the epitome of that um, communicating right. th- pain through pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I remember um, just by chance, I ended up uh, watching uh, Carl, the story of Carly Fleischman fantastic young woman. Uh, but years ago I ended up talking to her dad, Arthur and you know, that their experience just wowed them and opened their eyes to really that there's this fantastic young lady inside this body that's just not able to communicate. So they had to find a way and she fought for a way to be able to communicate. And that, that opened my eyes to here's my son just trying to communicate. And then I was reminded when I was taking all these speech classes in college and in writing and stuff that communication is really what 80% physical and 20% verbal, something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, so how is this any different? We, we really rely on the audio, but there's so much with the visual cues and the social cues that even we as neurotypical parents, have no clue because we're so used to it. It's just, you know, we, we go day to day by rote, you know, this, we, we can see those cues automatically. But then when you have somebody who's on the spectrum who has difficulty communicating to begin with, well, we think things are automatic, but they're not. They're not, you know, they, it's a learned practice and they have some extra things to overcome. And I'm more speaking about my own son than I am, about other people on the spectrum because you know when you meet one person <laughs> right when you meet one person on the spectrum you've met one person on the spectrum right that's what they say something like that yeah congratulations you just met one person <laughs> right exactly um and you know just to, to even to broaden this i was talking with a client earlier today and they have a child who has high intellectual ability and um social significant social processing challenges and the thing that we talked about, which um, I see a lot, is we, we, we take things for granted that we think that people, if they know one thing, they're going to know another thing. And this child, like so many others, need to be spoon-fed social rules, social behavior, coaching in a way that mm-hmm. is to their aid so they can learn as opposed to mm-hmm. the, you know, the, I, I, what, are we, how many, what are we thinking? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, I, again, I think about the... Um, <laughs> You know, I'm going to say patience, but it's like 
I'm not saying we all have patience, but the patience it takes to be mindfully present in the face of stressful parenting situations with all of our children. Right. And I think, I think uh, to add on to that is to flip the switch. Um, exactly mm-hmm. what you were saying, but flip the switch. The, um, you know, the other side of the coin of that is that you have people who are on the spectrum who look at us like we're crazy. Like, don't you see where I'm coming from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. so it's, it's the, it's the right. flip side of the coin. It's that other perspective. And it's like, I, I know what I'm thinking. What's your problem? <laughs> you know, I, I get, I say that because there are times when, you know, I'll, I'll talk, talk with my son and, and he'll just look at me like I'm nuts. Like, you know, I walk into right. him, he's taking a nap. He opens his eyes. He's like, dude, what is your problem? You know, like any other 14 year old to their parent, he doesn't have to say a word. It, you can see it on his face. Like seriously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and a quick story about that is I have a colleague who, uh, who, um, he went to visit the company in the Netherlands, which only hires individuals with autism. Um, and this company mm-hmm. gets, that gets mentioned for this. And he went to, to study them. He comes from an educational advocacy perspective. And uh, they had a cocktail party, and he tells the story. You know, he could tell that they were all looking at him weird and talking to him. Uh, I mean, talking to them, talking about him. And he sat down, and he said, hey, you know, what's going on? And they're like, nothing. And then finally, he's like, no, 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 I'm here to learn. Tell me. What, what is it? He's like, and the guy said, we all think you're weird. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, right? So it's like it's just a matter of perspective. It's a total matter of yep. perspective. Yeah, I, I tend to throw people off guard because I have a tendency to play devil's advocate a lot. Um mm-hmm. even on even on things that I completely agree with, I'll 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 flip the switch just to just to create the discussion because there's something more to be discussed. Mm-hmm. You know, something more to be probed into. We can't I, I, I've always had a challenge that if you if you believe so wholeheartedly on one side, you're missing the mm-hmm. point. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, you know, there's this uh, there's this wave and there's this movement um, to mandate certain things, and I'm going, why? Why are we mandating certain protocols? You know, w- what is the purpose there? And I, you know, and people go, oh, so you're pro this, you're pro that. I said, no, I'm just asking a question. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to ask those questions. And if anybody who knows me, they go, yeah, Joel irritates the living snot out of me because, you know, he always asks those stupid questions. <laughs> but that's who I am. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's part of what we do. And, and people look at Autism's Twitter account and they go, man, you retweet a lot. I'm like, yeah, we're going to retweet anything autism related. Good, bad, ugly, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. Um, we had some people, there's some filters on that process, but there's some people go, why in the world did you retweet that? And I'm like, because that person mentioned autism. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that is so rude. You know, they, you retweeted a hate speech, and I'm like, so discuss it. Call them on it. <laughs> you know, I was like... You're about yeah, getting the oh, conversation man. going, getting the conversation yeah, going. Just, it's, if, if we're going to pacify and quench that appetite of, you know, allowing people to just not talk, 
or promote the uh, PC thing of always being polite. I'm all about politeness, but however, we we need more respect than politeness. Mm-hmm. You know, I can di- I can Absolutely. disagree with you. Absolutely, I can disagree with you and still show respect. I can I can be slightly impolite but still show respect. And so I'm Absolutely. I'm looking at this. I look at this and I hear people and they're like, "Oh man, I can't believe Atisable's Twitter account." I'm like, "Yeah, Will Wheaton blocked us." You know, he <laughs> wants it's it's because there there's a level of you know automation to it that people go, "Oh wow!" I said, "No, we got people monitoring that account all the time, twenty four seven, and we we share, we retweet, and we constantly do that, and we do it with purpose." And one singular purpose right. to remote discussion. And that's nice. the Twitter account. Nice. Facebook, our Facebook page is a little bit more um, connecting the community. Same with our other, our other social media mm-hmm. accounts. But where the meat and the bread and the butter is and really getting people to connect is on the site. And uh, I get all excited about all that type of stuff, and I can talk for hours about it just because it's fun. Um, yeah. Both blogging and, and all that fun stuff is it's a passion of mine. But um, promoting that discussion, you know, I, I yeah. always enjoy when I, when I hear a parent talk their perspective. I'm like, I can't believe my daughter did this, or I can't believe my son did this, but it's awesome. And they celebrate those little crazy moments. Right. Like, I celebrated a moment when my son said, I love you, daddy. Hmm. And I'm like, he's essentially nonverbal and he's saying those words. Oh, I'm carrying that to my grave. Oh yeah, that's but huge. then, but then right on top of that, you have you know a professional chiming in. And I was like, oh, that's a great milestone reached. Then you have somebody who's <laughs> autistic chimes in and goes, "They've loved you all the time. Now you just hear wow. it." Hmm. And so you know, having that diversity within the community, being able to communicate and say, "Hey, there it is," mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was there all along. Now your eyes are just open to it. And that's what the communities are there to remind you about. And that's what online communities are there for, is to, to kind of be there. There are a lot of autism parents that do not have the opportunity with their kids to exit the house on a regular basis with their kids. Right. Because of social behaviors and, and all that time, all those challenges of bringing their kids out in the public. Too much, too much sensory input. Like, mm-hmm. I can't take my son to Lowe's or Home Depot. It's, it's just too much sensory input. As a dad, as, as a guy that can be hard wrenching. I'm like, dude, power tools. Come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, he goes in a full blown meltdown by the time we leave there. So I, I can't take him there. But by being able to tap into the online community, it allows me to go, okay, everything's all right. There's other ways that I could be able to approach this, to get him acclimated in that area, to, to, to get him to where he feels comfortable doing those things. Mm-hmm. So it allows me to learn, allows me to express. Yeah, to learn, to express, to connect. This is what this is what your online community and others uh, do. It's also what we hope to do at Parent Footprint too, in terms of raising this awareness about uh, parenting is hard, and uh, mm-hmm. it's about doing your best with mindful awareness. And that that brings oh, yeah. us that brings us to the Parent Footprint moment question. Okay, so, Joel, here, I'm bracing my here you go. This okay. is this is big. Okay. This is big. Okay. So right, I'm holding on. I'm we we want to know a time when you became aware of yourself as an individual or yourself as a parent, 
And that new awareness had a significant impact on your son. You know, when, when uh, I was listening to the other podcast and, and uh, you messaged me this, this question and I had to give it some serious thought. And um, as, as you and I have shared, the, you know, I could probably throw out a thousand examples. But I think probably one of the most pivotal moments was when we took my son out of school, out of the public school. And I was, expre- I was holding his hand and he was holding mine. And I was expressing to the principal and the teacher, the, the young teacher at the time, you know, that, that he's just trying to express himself and you guys aren't listening. You're not understanding what he's going through. And it was at that moment that he squeezed my hand mm-hmm. and he looked up at me. Yeah. That was that moment that, that, uh, to answer your question. Wow. So it's because he <sighs> knew and he was telling yeah. me that he knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's, uh, and, and that's the reason why with Atizable and being connected to the autism community, it's really my, my personal vision for it, for my selfish moment with it is really to learn more about my son. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what, what autism is to me. Now, it can mean anything to anybody else, but that's what it means to me. I need to learn more about my son. Mm-hmm. And then when he's able to con- convey his ideas and his thoughts, I'm happy to bow out. <laughs> then I could be mm-hmm. able to hear his own. <laughs> so, I hope that well, that drive and pa- you did, man. That's that drive and passion is helping so many. I mean, I I don't know what to say except it's just that's just a beautiful moment. I mean, I was just picturing it in my head, um, the squeeze and the look and just that the connection and the communication and the love. And uh, there's nothing more than that. that? Yeah. 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 I got my tissue right here. I, you know, I'm, I got a therapist office here. Yeah. Um, (laughs) all right, Joel, I want to keep talking, but we, (laughs) you have to have a sense of humor. Um, and that is, as I told you, one of the things I really respect about you is, uh, your sense of humor. And, uh, for all of us, you parents out there, for us parents, you gotta laugh. Um, you gotta laugh, you gotta connect. And, uh, Please take a look at uh, Joel's site. Take a look at other sites that are out there and just know that you are not alone. And, uh, you know, for all the laughter, there's also the tears, and that's just human. All right. This is our show. It takes a village, the power of online parenting communities. And Joel is a rock star. Joel, tell people uh, where they can do, do the spelling of your site and your blog and your podcast so everyone can keep following you. Awesome. I'll keep it real simple here. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Autisable, A-U-T-I-S-A-B-L-E.com, Autisable.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, you can feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Twitter. I'm Ed Lives on Twitter. I decided to join Twitter early on when real names weren't really necessary. Um, but feel free to, to connect. <laughs> Uh, follow. We're we're just about everywhere online. So Google and have some fun. I don't know. Awesome. Right. You guys now know Joel. You know Joel now. You know the guy behind all this stuff. And uh, and I just dialogue and dialogue with respect and ask the tough questions. And uh, we're all on this journey together. 
All right, guys, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Parent Footprint podcast. Check us out at Parent Footprint, www.parentfootprint.com. Be the person you want your children to become. Be mindfully aware, parent with purpose, and enjoy your life so your kids can see that happen. And as always, consider this question. What footprint do you want to leave?